Okay. Good afternoon, and Bezrat uh, Hashem, Chodesh Adar is upon us, and uh, another two days we'll be having Purim. So I want to recap all the halachot of Purim today. But last week we discussed this particular shayla of reading Kriyata Megillah via Zoom. And we went through uh, many of the sources. We now have actually uh, created a Tzur Bashir where all the sources are put together and color-coded and translated. So I'm not going to go through the whole uh, share because we did that last week. But I just want to point out three sources that we didn't read inside last week. The first source is, as we mentioned, according to Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach, one cannot read via, uh, via Zoom or any microphone because the electronic voice that is generated is considered a new voice. And therefore, says Rav Shlomazah you're not listening to a Balkore, you're not listening to Tkiyat Shofar, you're listening to a computer or an electronic-generated uh, um, sound wave. So that was the opinion of Rav Shlomazah I want to read to you, and we saw that it's also the opinion of other people, such as Zemin Chat Yitzchak, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and uh, many other poskim. We saw the opinion of the Chazonish, who, when Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach discussed it with the Chazonish, the Chazonish was not so certain. The Chazonish held uh, that it could be that uh, the fact that it was generated originally by a person, and there's no delay between when the person speaks and when you hear it. So because of those two issues, so the Chazonish was of the opinion that it isn't such a, or it's not definite that you're not Yotzeh, you could be Yotzeh. Now, the most lenient or explicit opinion, um, we, we saw Rav Cook was, was lenient, but that was regarding Tefillah. Would, would he also be lenient regarding Kriyat Megillah? That one can discuss if one sees the wording inside his Tshuva, which we're not going to look at. Um, there is room to say that Rav Cook would definitely say Kriyat Megillah would be okay. But I want to just point out the truva of Rav Moshe Feinstein, because Rav Moshe Feinstein is probably the most explicit of the truvot in regarding this uh, case. And here, this is a truva of Rav Moshe Feinstein in Arachayim, Sif Chelek Bet, Sif Kufye Chet. And he says like this, Hinei bedavar kriyata megillah al yedei microphone, it's very difficult to, def to, to give a decisive halachic answer. First of all, he's not sure if he's got people that he can rely on to explain to him uh, exactly how it works. He says, definitely it's not correct to listen to the micro uh, through a microphone. However, then he says, that which you say that this is a new voice, that in my opinion is not so clear at all. Even if you say that this is a new voice, Nevertheless, since it happens simultaneously that the person speaks and you hear it, says Rav Moshe Feinstein, this is 
a good reason to view it as his own voice. He says, because because in the end of the day, this is really what created his voice. How, how, do we, how do we know how things work? In the end of the day, when someone speaks, something gets created in the air and then you hear it anyway. So what difference does it make? And then he says more explicitly, this seems logical. According to the scientists, that basically there's a sound wave that goes to our ears and there's a slight delay between when the sound wave was generated and when we hear it. And nevertheless, we still call this, even though it's a sound wave, we call this hearing the voice of a person. So that is the opinion of Ramosha Feinstein. He paskened it regarding people who needed to hear Havdaleh in a hospital and create the Megillah over the telephone. And so there is Rav Moshe Feinstein, definitely one, if, if one needs to, one can rely on Rav Moshe Feinstein, um, as well as uh, it seems to be the opinion of the Tzitzeliezer. I just want to mention two, uh, one more source, which I think is a very, very important uh, general He'ara of Rav, Rav Shechta. Rav Shechta says, <clears throat> And he's discussing in general the problem over here in, uh, in uh, you know, there were limitations. So that because there were limitations of coming to shul, so they had to do multiple minyanim, and they're not going to, they're not going to manage. So then he discusses whether you can read prior to Purim, on, uh, uh, even from Plaga Mincha. And he said, but yeah, one can. But now he says a very important klal in terms of how to understand halachic process. And this is a, a, a very important uh, clarification that I think many people, uh, even rabbis, are not, uh, not so familiar with this, with this din. And he says like this. If you can't, uh, there's no way to get around it. One can rely on the opinion of Rav Moshe Feinstein, who we just read above, right? who was uh, discussed why the Gemara said that if a person hears the echo of the shofar, the Gemara says explicitly that he hasn't fulfilled his obligation. But we're not sure why the Gemara said it. And explains Rav Shechda, is it because it's not the original voice? Or the reason why you don't fulfill the obligation with an echo is because it's not a clear sound. Now, the nafkamina between those two reasons is a telephone or a microphone, although it's not the original voice, it is still very clear. And there, this is also the, he says, was the suffix of the Chazanish and, uh, and the governor of Shlomo Zaman Arbach, he held that there's no point, there's no reason for the suffix at all. It's clearly that you didn't fulfill it because the problem is that it's not the original voice. But the bottom line is, 
We have, in, in his analysis, Rav Poskim hold that it's not a good idea. You cannot fulfill your obligation through a microphone or through Zoom or through a telephone. However, there's Rav Moshe Feinstein that pretty much says explicitly that one can. Now, what do you do in such a situation? When you have Rav Poskim say you can't, and you've got one Posek, uh, uh, Gadol, uh, if in his own right, of Moshe Feinstein, no one, no one uh, is claiming he's not a, a clear Posek, maybe the Posek Ador, he says it's okay. What do you do in such a situation? Here, Rav Shechte explains, V'kula zo lishmoa derech mikrofon yesoda b'chlal ha-mofia b'gemara d'kadai hu reploni lismoch alav b'shat adchak. That it is worthwhile to rely on X opinion, right? The Gemara says that often, right? So what does that mean? That the majority of the Achronim explain this to mean as follows. When do we say you can rely on one shita? It's when we're talking about a Adin Rabbanan. But now there's another question. Hold on a second. If it's a din de Rabbanan and we've got a suffix de Rabbanan, so why, why, do, we, why do I have to apply the principle of Kadayu Lismocha or Rav Shimon Bar Yochai or, or, or Rav Moshe Feinstein, Bishat Adchak? I have a klal. Suffix de Rabbanan Lekula. So if it's suffix de Rabbanan Lekula, why do I need Bishat Adchak, Kadayu Lismocha or Rav Moshe Feinstein? Right? Explains Rav Shechta, no, no, you misunderstand the concept of Safek de Rabbanan Lekula. Because he says like this, Ashe bederech klal, lo nikra Safek, when we say Safek de Rabbanan Lekula, ele besafek hashakul. When it's an equal Safek. What does it mean Safek shakul? Safek shakul says that, you know, there's a, it doesn't have to be exactly, but, but, for, for, for illustration purposes, 50% of the poskim say it's mutar, 50% of the poskim say it's asur, that's a safek ashakul. When it's a safek ashakul, when it's an equal balanced doubt, we say safek doraita lechum, right? Safek derabana lekula. However, let's say the majority of poskim say that it's asur, and one poskim says that it's mutar. Do we apply the principle of Safek de Rabbanan Lekula? No, says Rav Shechta. That is not the correct way of applying the principle of Safek de Rabbanan Lekula because it's not a Safek Hashakul. And that's why he says like this. In the opinion of Rav Shechta, this is not a Safek Hashakul, i.e. Rav Poskim, according to Rav Shechta, hold that you cannot fulfill your obligation through a microphone, Zoom, telephone, etc. You do have a minority opinion. Rav Moshe Feinstein. In this case, I don't apply the principle of Safek Dorai to Rabbanan Lekula, but I do apply the principle of Bish'at Adchak, Kedai Hu Rav Moshe Feinstein Lismochalav. Okay, so it's a two-tiered understanding of Safek Dorabanan. When it's a Safek Dorabanan Shakul, we apply the principle of Safek Dorabanan Lekula. 
when it's a suffix der Rabbanan that is not shakul, that's when you apply the principle of shat adchak kadai hulismochalav. Okay, so I think that is a very uh, important clarification of, of Rav, uh, Rav Shechter regarding this din. Yes. I was just wondering, how would you know what Rava Poskin are? How would you know how many Poskins there are in the world? How, how do you decide on such a thing? Well, that's, well, that's why you need a Posek. That's why I said, <laughs> that's why you need a Posek like Rav Shechter, right? Yeah. Who, who's telling you that this is not a suffix shackle. I.e., yeah. you're right. I, I, if, if you would have asked me, I wouldn't have thought. I would have thought that there's good reason to uh, to think that this is a suffix shackle. Why? We've seen Rav Moshe Feinstein. We've seen Rav Cook, uh, Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank, the Tzitzeliezer. Kilo. It's not like there's only one opinion. Maybe even the Chazonish. Okay, that's that's a, a serious amount of of poskim, right? However, uh, here one needs to take a step back and say, look, I haven't learned all the sugyas. I haven't been through. All the 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 truvata and 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 know uh, you know the sugya inside out, but Rav Shechter knows it a lot better than me. And if he tells me that this is not a suffix ashakul, so that's Rav Shechter. So, so so sometimes you need a posek to tell you if this is a suffix ashakul or not. So okay, all right. So so uvishata trakesh lakel velomar afshitata yachid gamken chashuv kesafek lomar ba sveika derabanan lekula. Okay, so I think that is a very, very uh, beautiful clarification of Rav Shechta just explaining to us when do we say Safek to Rabbanan Lakula, Safek to Raita There's definitely what to to uh, elaborate on, but that is not not our topic. But perhaps in one of our shirim, it, it should be we should uh, discuss that uh, topic further. Okay, uh, there's there's one other thing that that he mentions earlier in the Truva that I, that I'm not going to get into, and that is we're assuming that reading of the Megillah is a suffix de Rabbanan. Now that that is a huge debate amongst the Poskim. What is the status of Kriyat Megillah? What is the status of Purim? Because it could be that uh, that the the mitzvot of the day are mid Rabbanan. However. Kriyat Megillah, it's not even, it could be that all the mitzvot have a din of Divrei Kabbalah because they are they are from the Tanakh. Now, what is Divrei Kabbalah? Now, I, I, I know that someone wrote a long essay uh, trying to understand when the Rambam says Divrei Kabbalah, what does that mean? Does it mean it's a din Divrei Kabbalah Kedindoraita Damu? Where sometimes we say that. We say that uh, regarding certain halachot, regarding an onen, right? That uh, regarding aninut, we know that an onen, a midoraita, cannot eat on the first day uh, one or eat uh, eat meat, right? But if uh, what happens if the 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 din is only midrabanan? I what happens if it's only an onen midrabanan? And there's a chiyuv to eat uh, meat. Let's say it's a yanta. Whatever we have to think, what uh, whatever it could be in the times of the korbanot, etc. So there, the Gemara says divrei kabbalah kedivrei torah damu, right? But that so so so, so it's a big challenge. How do you define uh, purim and how do you define kriyat megillah? Is it a din doraita? Is it a din derabanan? We see from here that at least Rav uh, Rav Shechta is defining it as a as a dinder rabbanan, above he says this is according to the shittot that is a dinder rabbanan. 
So he says, you know, there's a big machlok in how to define whether, how do you explain divrei Kabbalah? Anyway, that's a, a side point and we're not going to elaborate on that. Okay, that's the end of this shear. And now I'm going to go back to the rest of the um, dinim of Purim. Um, so I'm just going to open up another, another PDF. And that is... Um, Uh, where is it? Sorry, give me a second. That's strange. Um, it's not coming up. Um, can you see it on your screens? No. Now? Okay. So, um, all right. So we're going to briefly, um, oh yeah. uh, I forgot to record. Am I not, am I recording this? Oh, no, I am recording. Okay, I am recording. Okay, so briefly, we're going to go through a few of the halachot of Purim, um, starting with Tanit Esther, that is going to be tomorrow. Uh, Tanit Esther is interesting because we obviously have uh, Yom Kippur, which is mentioned in the Torah, that is the only fast Midoraita. Then we have the other uh, four Taniyot that are mentioned in the Navi, right? But uh, when it comes to when it comes to Tanit Esther, it's not mentioned in the Navi, and it's not so clear where it's not mentioned in the Gemara either. So where does this come from? So it seems that already in the times of the Goinim, there was the Masora that we had a Tanit Esther. However, it's not so clear where where the source for it is. So the Rosh says as follows: Pirish Rabbeinu Tam Zman Kilai Lakolhi. The Gemara calls the thirteenth of Adar as Zman Kihila, the time of gathering. So explained Rabbeinu Tam, what is Zman Kila? That is the source of Tanit Esther. People, why did the villagers come to the major cities to say Slichot? Because that was a day where Am Israel needed Rachamim. That was the time when they went to war. From here, Rabbeinu Tam learns is the source or a, the basis for Tanit Esther. And he and says the Rosh. We don't see any other source to tell us about Tanit Esther. Now, because there isn't an explicit source in the Tanakh, as opposed to the other Taniyot, which are the Rabbanan, but at least there is a Makar uh, in the Tanakh that is mentioned by the Navi, here there seems to be a, a Nafkamina, how we relate to Tanit Esther. says the Shulchan Aruch and Arachayim, Tafresh Peivav, Sif Bet. So we, we fast on the 13th. But the Ramah adds, 
It's not an obligation. Therefore, one can be lenient when there is a need. For example, a woman who's pregnant or a woman who is feeding or for a sick person. And what's the definition of a sick person? Person's got sore eyes. If a person is very uh, distraught because of the pain involved, in such a case, so they don't have to worry about it and they can make it up later. Now, according to the Ramah, you still have to make it up. If you didn't fast, you should make it up. The Minag brought down by the Mishnah is that we don't, if you didn't fast on Tani to say, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, catch it up. Right? Um, so we'll, we'll leave it there. The Mishnah also brings down that uh, perhaps, perhaps the Makar for this is when they fought, we know in Tanakh, when people used to go out to fight, they also fasted. Moshe Rabbeinu, we know with uh, Shaul HaMelech, when he went out to war, right, he declared that, there should be, that his soldiers should fast. That's when his son, Yonatan, got in trouble because of that. So that's, uh, that could be the, the Makar. Another halacha is Zech Lemachatzit HaShekel. Zech Lemachatzit HaShekel. We know the Gemara, um, <coughs> the Gemara tells us that when did they, the Machatzita Shekel was used to buy all the Korban Sibur, all the Korbanot of the community. And the, um, the Shlichim of the Beit HaMikdash would be sent out to gather it before Nisan. And they would start collecting it basically from the time of Purim. So because of this, during Ada, that's when they were sent out and that's when they were collecting the, this money. So Zeichel Machatzita Shekel, and it's a very important that this is only a Zeichel because if it's Machatzita Shekel, then it is hectish, and then we're going to get in trouble. So obviously these Korbanot, were, the, 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 the Machatzita Shekel was used for a Korban Sibur not for a, a communal sacrifice. Obviously today, when we're just doing a zeichel a korban tzibur, so what we, zeichel machatzit shekel, we give it to the poor people. And this is what says, says the Ramah, yesh omrim yesh liten kodim purim machatzit min give a half of the currency, i.e. give a half a coin of the currency, so it's a half a dollar or half a shekel. Boto makom or boto zman, zeichel machatzit shekel shayu notnin badar. Because this was given during Adar. Now we just read in last week's Parsha the word Truma in Parsha Truma three times the word Truma. So one should give it three times. One should give three half coins. One should give it before Mincha. According to the Ramah, this obligation is only from uh, 20 years and up of age. However, the Mishnah Brura points out, this is all the data uh, Rabbi Ovadia Mibar Tanura. But according to the Tosfot Yontef, Katava Poskim Cholkim, Vesvirlu Dimin Yud Gimolamala, Shubichlal Ish Chayav, Machatzita Shekel. We know that Machatzita Shekel, uh, since the original Machatzita Shekel was Lichora for people that could also go out to war, which means it's from age 20. 
But since this is, so the question is, when we do a zeichel machatzita shekel, is it that everyone is chayav to remember the machatzita shekel, or only the people that were obligated in the machatzital machatzita shekel are chayav in the machatzita into the zeichel machatzita shekel? That seems to be the machloket between the Bartanura, Ravavadia mi Bartanura, and the Tosot Yantam. And says the Mishnah Bura, we should be machmir. Right? Uh, the minag is to be machmir, to take even for kids, for one's uh, children, be, uh, uh, be, below uh, bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah. The shamu beret bad vlada ita b'mishnah kol katan sheitchil aviv lishkol aliyado shuv enom posek. And if a father starts giving him, he should not, uh, he should not stop. Yes, is there a question? No. Okay, no question. All right. So, uh, just want to point out that we have a klal in Masak Safim. Many people ask the Shaila, you know, there are a lot of expenses for Purim. You know, Matanot Levionim and Zechle Machatzita Shekel plus, uh, plus uh, Mishloach Manot, etc. and the Suda. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of expenses. Can I use some of my tzedakah to pay for these mitzvahs? So, just want to give a klal. We have a, a general rule that the poskim tell us regarding Masek Safim. Anything that is an obligation only can be appropriated from chulin, from non-consecrated money. Now, that's, the, the, the context of that line was really, was really in the Beit HaMikdash. But we, we expand, expand that principle to also giving tzedakah, meaning, let's say a person wants to use a masak safim money for some of the mitzvahs. Any mitzvah that is upon me to do, can only come from non-appropriated money. So my masak safim, I cannot use to fulfill an obligation that I'm obligated to do. So even if you say Masak Safim you can use to do mitzvahs, let's say buy a person a pair of tefillin, right? That's fine because the guy doesn't have a pair of tefillin and you, you, you're doing it. But if I have an obligation to do a mitzvah, I cannot use that money to fulfill my obligation. And because of this, <coughs> since I have an obligation of Matanot Lev Yonim and Mishloch Manot, etc., and Machatzit uh, Shekel, so this should not come from my Maser money. However, there is one leniency, and this is the leniency brought down by the Mishabur in the name of the Maril, and that is the minimum requirement of Matanot Levionim and Zechle Machatzit Shekel has to be done not from Maser or Tzedakah money. However, if one wants to add on over and above the minimum requirement, that one can definitely do from one master money. So what is the minimum requirement for the Zechle Machatzita Shekel? So first of all, according to the Vilna Gaon, it's one, one half coin. According to the Ramat, it was three half coins. According to, um, according to the Svarim, they basically go according to 9.6 grams of silver, which I think is 
um, a lot more. It's a bit, we're talking about 20 shekels. So that's a huge difference. You're talking about half a shekel, or according to the Ramah, one and a half shekels. And according to uh, according to the Chazon of Vadya in 2017, I assume it's gone up. Um, we're talking about 20, probably 22 shekels by now. So now if you're going to give that on, on behalf of all of the members of your family and you happen to have 10 kids, so that really gets quite expensive, right? So so now, uh, you know, that's just 200 shekels gone on the uh, on your on your family, just on 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 zechel machatzita shekel before you get to matanot yevinim etc. So what do you do over here? So here the question is, if we're going with the principle of the mission bura, that what that the basic requirement you cannot use your mass and money for, but uh, anything over and above that one can be makel. So what is the basic requirement? So here we have a machlokes. Ah, uh, did we not bring it? Uh, let me see. Maybe I skipped it. Top, can I skipped it? What is the uh, what is the uh, no, sorry? It's not a machloket regarding the zechel machatzikta shekels. It's a machloket regarding matanot levionim. So let's see. Let's go to matanot levionim. So birshutchem. I'm just going to skip two. Matanot Levyanim, and then we'll come back back to Megillah reading. Okay. <clears throat> um. Wow, it's really at the end. Yeah, Matanot Levyonim. So how much does one have to give for Matanot Levyonim? And the question that we are trying to figure out is, can I use any of my Marsek Safim money for Matanot Levyonim? So says the Gemara Matanot Levyonim, the Gemara in Megillah Zayin Amud Bet, Shtei Matanot that basically you have to give two separate amounts, or you've got, you have to give to two poor people, not to one poor person, but to two Poor people. How much do you have to give? Machloikas says the Ritva, Mistavra de Matanot Levionim, Haino Afilu be Shtei Prutot. Even Shtei Prutot, each Ani, you give a Shave Pruta, and that's good enough. The Shave Pruta Hashiva Matana, Avalopachot. So according to the Ritva, basically, we're not talking about a huge investment. We're talking about your minimum requirement. Should be, I don't know, half a shekel is definitely, or you go machmir. A shekel is definitely worth a shave pruta, le kuli alma. Right? So if we're talking about, a, you give two shekels, you know, one shekel to, to Ruvain the Ani and one shekel to Shimon the Ani, you fulfilled your obligation. Now you want to give another 500 shekels for Matanot Levyanim. Gazuntait, but you can take it from your Masak Safi money. Okay? That is according to the Shitta of the Ritva. According to the Shari Chuva, the Machzik Bracha. That basically it has to be enough for three volumes of, of, of food. That basically of bread. A pruta is not good enough. A pruta is not going to buy a person a meal. 
ועדיין צריך להתיישב עד כאן לשונו. ואין גוף הספר בידי לדעת טעמו דבכל דוכתי נתינה בפרוטה. So the Shari Tshuva is not sure what the reason is, but at least we see a big machloikas, and according to the Zere Yaakov, you not fulfill your obligation if you just give a Shave Pruta. The bottom line, that the Mishnah Brewer does rule like the Ritva, right? Uh, but he says, Vadai, one should try and be stringent and to give the amount to buy a meal. So according to Ravosna, and look, Ravosna died a few years ago. So when he was talking about it, he said about 10 shekels to buy a person uh, pretty much like a little falafel and a, and a, or a sandwich and a drink. Now, I don't know how much today if you can get a falafel and a drink for 10 shekels. Um, I'm not sure if it's... I would eat it if uh, if that's it. But uh, but uh, I, I think that you know between 15 and 20 shekels, you could probably find you could probably give a person a person could buy a meal for 15 or 20 shekels, right? Maybe 25 shekels to be machmir. So the bottom line is, if a person were to give 25 shekels. 50 shekels in total, 25 to one person, 25 to another person, one's fulfilled one's obligation. Now you want to go and give more matanot levyonim. After your 50 shekels, you want to give another 500 shekels that you can take from your masak safim. But I think the first 50 shekels, one should not take from your masak safim. That should be davar shabachova and make sure that 25 shekels goes to one ani and 25 shekels goes to another ani. The best way to do that, um, if possible, is you give it to, you know, you, you, today you have all types of, um, um, today you have all, like the rabbanim in, in, in my community, they're the ones that disperse the money. So, if I give it to two different rabbanim, then I know that that it's going to go to two different people because you know it's not uh, there's no way that it could uh, could go to things. But in general, if you give it to a shaliach of the of uh, to any shaliach, you don't have to worry about that because he's dividing it up amongst anything. So your money will be divided up between the different aniim. So that that's uh, pretty much a given, and that is the basis of matanot levyanim. Okay. So we've seen, uh, well, you know, now that we're on Matanot Levyonim, let's just finish. When does one give the Matanot Levyonim? Katavan Primagadim brings a Mishnah Brura. Nireli de la Hatrila Tsarik Liten Levyon, Davara Uile, not Mimenu, Bapurim. Machal Omaot, Yuhalotzi Bapurim. It has to be given according to the Primagadim on Purim because the Ani has to be able to enjoy it. How does it help that the Ani is going to get it off the Purim? So, so that's why now this becomes for Rabbanim who are dividing up money, this becomes a challenge because Purim in the morning is quite a busy time. You know, you've got to do Mishloch Manot and you've got to do Kriyat Megillah and the whole community is coming to Osailo to you and you've got a few thousand shekels that now you have to divide, find, go to all the Aniim and give it to them. But says the Prima Ganim, it has to be done on the day. Furthermore, says the Biuralacha, Veloitain Lahem Kodim Purim. You cannot give it there. So, so we could say, look, okay, I understand. You can't give it to them after Purim. What's the point of that? But give it to them before Purim. So on Purim, they'll have it. 
סזביר הלכה, ולא ייתן להם קודם פורים, דיר מאכלי להוא קודם פורים? יגיב הגעה, three days before פורים, 50 שקל. גרייט. He then goes and spends it. On Purim, he's going to be upset. So what does it help? So that's the shit of the Magen of Ram. That you cannot give it to him after Purim. That's definitely not going to help anyone. And you cannot give it to him before Purim because he might have spent it. So you have to give it on the morning of Purim. Says the Mishnah Burah, but the Minaga Oilam is to, to, to give it to the Balei, uh, the Gabayim, before Purim. Even the poor people. Even though the, the mitzvah is on the day. He says, listen, in the end of the day, um, people generally give gifts, they get to receive the gifts on Purim. And there are also many poor people that come to your house and knock on the door. So, so Baruch Hashem, that there are people... The truth is this year, I think it might be different because usually what happens is the poor people of the uh, Mukafin come on the day of, uh, come on, on Yudalit, right? And the poor people in the uh, Prazim, they go to Yerushalayim on Tetvav. But today, uh, not today, this year, we're all going to be reading on Yudalit, right? Also the Yerushalmim. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure how it's going to work. Uh, Mistoma, Mistoma, they will all, they will still be on him. Mistoma, they will still be on him. Um, now, there is a famous, famous opinion of the Aruch HaShulchan. And the Aruch HaShulchan writes a very interesting uh, shita. And he says like this, Yesh li stapek kashe shalach manot l'reyo she b'merchakim kodem purim v'yagiu lo b'purim im yatsa b'ze yedei mishloach manot. Can a person fulfill one's obligation? You sent a mishloach manot prior to pur prior to purim right and it arrives uh, to your friend on purim yesh mishomer diyatsa the bereteh says you yatsa because at the end of the day the person received it on purim whether it's the evyon or whether it's your friend who's re receiving mishloch manot says uh, says the but my opinion is the loyatsa he didn't fulfill his obligation you need to send it on Purim itself. I'm not really understanding that, that last line of the Aruch HaShulchan. The Aruch HaShulchan says, look, the Chiyuv is to send it on Purim. So how does it help that I started sending it two weeks before? That's question number one. And then he says, and also, the whole point of Mishloch Manot is Simcha. But if, what Simcha do you have if you sent it prior, right? Your Simcha was when you sent it. Your Simcha wasn't when you received it, when he received it. So I'm not sure. Isn't the Simcha when you know that the guy received it? Isn't there also a level of Simcha? Not, not, I didn't fully understand the Aruch HaShulchan's second point. Uh, but that is his opinion. So according to, according to the Aruch HaShulchan, we have a challenge, right? You cannot give, um, you cannot give the tzedakah or the mishloach manot erev purim, even if they arrive on the, uh, to the person on purim. You literally have to give it. You literally have to give it on the day. Now, according to this, and I've had the suffix many years. 
can you give the rav or the person who's going to be dispensing out the um, the tzedakah? Can you give it to him on Purim night? Because he's going to go first thing in the morning. You know, he's going to davenate, going to say here kriyata megillah, and then he's going to go and give it to the the, the aniim. What's the problem? The problem is, is that when you gave it to him, the chiyuv of the chiyuv is lichora during the day. It's not during the night. So do you fulfill your obligation by giving it according to the shita that you cannot give it prior, right? Can you give it on a leil uh, purim or do you have to wait for, uh, or do you have to wait straight away uh, till the morning? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if anyone's seen something explicit. Um, um, I need to need to look at that, but um, okay. So now, um, so now let's let's uh, just move on to. Um, let's go back now to Kriyata Megillah. Okay, so we discussed uh, the din of Zechel Machatzita Shekel, and then we uh, touched on the. We touched on that after that on the the din of uh, the din of Matanot Levionim. Okay, let us now go to Kriyata Megillah. One second. Oh no, no, it goes more further. So the Gemara says, Amar of Chelbo Amar Ula, Chayav Adam Likrotet HaMegillah Belayla Belishnota Bayom. Person is obligated to read the Megillah at night and to repeat it in the day. Shene Emar, the Pasuk says, Leman Yezamer Chakavod Velo Yidom, Hashem Elokai Loolam. Odeka, right? So uh, the Torah says, uh, sorry, since this Pasuk refers to praising and not being silent, right? So there, at least Rashi understands that that is the diuk from this Pasuk that it's a double reading in the night and again in the uh, day. And this is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch that a person has to, uh, has to read it both in the night and in the day. And now the question is, what brachas do you say before it? So the Gemara in Chaf Aleph, in Megillah Chaf Aleph says, Lifnei ma'am mevarech, Rav Sheshet mikatriza, ikle lakamid Rav Ashi, ubarich manach. What is manach? Mem nun chet, explains Rashi, al mikra Megillah, shasa, nisim and shechiyanu. <clears throat> now the question is, these three brachot, so you recite them during the night. Do you repeat them again during the day? This is a machloket between the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. The Shulchan Aruch in Orachaim Tafreit Tzadi Bet says, "Akoreta Megillah Mavarech Lefaniya Gimel Brachot Al Mikra Megillah Shasani Sim Shechianu Uveyom Enochozer Mavarech Shechianu." We don't repeat Shechianu, says the Ramah. Ve'yesh Omrim Da'af Beyom Mavarech Shechianu V'chein Noagin B'Chol Medinot. So Ashkenazim, they repeat Shekhyanu. And why is that? 
explains him again Avraham because Ikar Mitzvah Kriyatabiyon, the real Chiyuv to read is during the day. And the Mishnah Brura adds a very important Kavana that one should have in order for, in terms of Safek Brachot. Venachon Levachaven Bevirkat Shechianu Gam Al Mishloch Manot Purim, Shem Gam Ken Mitzvot. So one should have intention also for the other mitzvot of the day, and that should, that should be known to the listeners as well as the person who is reading and reciting the brachot. What about the brach of Aravet Rivenu? Says the Gemara, and it gives the whole nusach, etc. Now the Ramah adds a very important now this 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 year might be very practical for many people that are reading the Megillah alone, assuming they're re- reading it from a kosher klaf. The bracha of Haravet Rivenu can only be recited according to the Ramah with a tzibur, and explains Aruch Hashulchan what's the logic of that again. The Shulchan Aruch didn't paskin that way, but the Ramad paskins that way. And the Aruch HaShulchan explains, Katav Rabbeinu HaRamah, the bracha shalachareya ena ele betzibur, the yesh lomaratam, and I'm going to explain to you the logic, the reason behind it. The kevan de ena shaykhala megillah. The truth is that this bracha isn't really connected to the megillah. Eli birkato da'a, mishum pirsumenisa. This is a general bracha of thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And publicizing the nais. And therefore, So if it's a brocha to publicize the nais and to thank a Baruch Hu Barabim, it was only instituted And this is brought down in the name of the Yerushalmi. But says Aruch HaShukhan, I've, I've looked everywhere in the Yerushalmi, I didn't find it. And none of the Rishonim have, have mentioned this limitation. brings the minag He says, I haven't seen anyone who limits it. Everyone's quoting Yerushalmi. I don't know where this Yerushalmi is. And the Shibole Aleka says the minag of the Shtei Yeshivot in Surya and Pupadita, etc., was to uh, was to make the bracha even privately. So that is the opinion of the Aruch HaShulchan. As you'll see, this might be a big machloket. Um, so according to the Shulchan Aruch, really makes no difference. You're uh, you're you're, you're asking about or not? You should you should say Haravit Rivenu. According to Ramah, Vadai not. According to the Bira, according to the Aruch HaShulchan, you should still say it. He argues with Ramah. However, the Bira Alacha says no. You never bait yourself. Katav, Dorchot Chaim Katav Ken B'Shema Yerushalmi. The source of this is actually the Orchot Chaim, who writes in the name of the Yerushalmi. Vayen be'Eliyarabe Dochiach Mikama Poskim, the Mevarech Afilo Biyachid. However, the Eliyarabe approves that even an individual can say Aravit Rivenu. Vayen be'Biur Agra, and look at the commentary of the Gra, the Yerushalmi Gamken and Raya. The Gra says one cannot prove it from the Yerushalmi. The Lokai Ela Birkat Torah, that was only regarding the Birkat Torah, reading the public uh, Torah readings. Umikol Makom, nevertheless, Paskan's the Mishnah 
A person who is reading by himself should not say the bracha. This whole din of a uh, of this bracha is not an obligation. And it's dependent on the minag. Who says that the minhag spread that an individual should recite this bracha? And therefore, argument between two poskei hador, the Aruch HaShulchan on the one hand says one should say it, and the Chofetz Chaim on the other hand says one shouldn't say it. It's a very interesting din. Who should we paskanak when we have a machloket between the Aruch HaShulchan and, and the Mishnah Bura? Um, it seems that depending on which generation you lived, uh, that answer would be different. Uh, I think I was told by, I can't remember, Big Talmud Chochem, that basically prior to World War II, everyone paskaned, whenever there was a, a machloikas, they would paskan according to the Aruch HaShulchan. After, after the Shoah, World War II, the, the, the Mishnah Brura became the accepted psak. It could be that that is the influence of the Chazonish. It could be that. It could be that, that, that you know, the Chazonish says, we paskan like the Mishnah Brura. And based on that, um, any, any time there's a machlok between the Mishnah Brura and the Aruch HaShulchan, uh, generally we lean towards the Mishnah Brura. So in this case, Lichora, a person who's reading it, Individually, should not uh, should not recite Haravet Rivenu again. If one Svardi, that would be different. Okay. Um, what about woman? Woman reading Megillah. So we have the famous Klal, and that is a mitzvah tasei shazman grama. Nashim p'turot. That if it's a time-bound mitzvah, women are exempt. However, here we have another famous Klal in the Gemara Megillah Daftalit. Amar Rabbi Levi. Nashim chayavot b'mikra megillah. Women are obligated in mikra megillah. She'af hein hayu They were also part of the miracle. Part of the miracle, cause of miracle. That's a machloket between the rishonim. How to explain this gemara? But the point is, is that the regular rule of mitzvah tasah shazman grama, women are exempt, doesn't apply to mikra megillah. Now the question is like this: If women are obligated in mikra megillah, can they read it and motzi also men? Says the tour in Siman Tafresh Peitet. Hakol chayavin b'mikra megillah, b'kriyata megillah. Everyone is obligated to read the megillah. Nashim nami chayavot b'kriyatan. Women are also obligated to read it. Opirish Rashi. Rashi says explicitly, she motzi ot la'anashim yedei chovatan. The woman can fulfill the obligation on behalf of the men. However, the Bahag, although they are obligated in Mikra Megillah, they cannot fulfill it, the obligation on behalf of men. And the question is, what is the logic of the Bahag? According to Rashi, we have a cloud. Right? If I'm obligated in something, I can also be Motsi someone else in it. Now, According to the Bahag, if women are obligated, why can they not fulfill the obligation on behalf of men? So there are various opinions. How to understand the Bahag? Um, before we get to the opinions, let's see how the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah Paskin. 
‫סזר שולחן ארוך, ‫אחד הקורא ואחד השומר מן הקורא ‫יצא ידי חובתו. ‫whether you read it or listened, ‫והוא שישמע מפי מול שהוא חייב בקריאתה. ‫לפיכך, therefore, ‫אם היה קורא חרש קטן או שוטה, ‫אם האנשים שקוראים ‫היה דף מיוט, ‫או אמנה, ‫או דרנג' פרסון, ‫אינסד שקייס, ‫השומר ממנו לא יצא. ‫ויש אומרים, שנשים אינן מוציאות את האנשים. So here, שולחן ארוך does bring the opinion of the Bahag, but he brings it in the status of a yesh omrim. Now we have another rule in halacha, in psak halacha of the שולחן ארוך, when the שולחן ארוך brings a stam, the yesh omrim halacha to stam. He brings a generic format, and then he brings a yesh omrim, we go with the generic format. So here it seems like the Shulchan Aruch Paskening that women can even fulfill the obligation on behalf of men. However, the Ramah, the Ramah argues, look at the Ramah, it seems, it seems that the Ramah argues, because the Ramah says like this, V'yesh Omrim, says the Ramah, Ima'isha kora la'atzmai, if a woman reads for herself, Mevarechet lishmoa megila, She'ina chayevet bekriya. that if a woman reads, she says, the brocha, instead of likroi tamegilah, she reads, uh, the brocha is lishmoa megilah. Why is that? Explains the Ramah, that women are not obligated in reading the, kriya, the megilah, they are obligated in listening to the megilah. And this could be the source of the understanding of the Baal Halachot Gdolot. The Baal Halachot Gdolot said that although women are obligated in, in mikra megilah, what's mikra megilah? But they, are, they cannot fulfill the obligation on behalf of men. Why not? According to what the Ramah's understanding, it makes perfect sense. There is a chiyuv on the woman, but the chiyuv is to listen, not to read. And since the chiyuv is to listen, it's a different chiyuv. So obviously they cannot fulfill the, the mitzvah on behalf of men. That is one understanding of the shit of the Bahag Uh, based on this uh, psak of the Ramah, that there's a distinction between chiyuv of kriya and chiyuv of listening. Another possibility is the, uh, the din of the Marcheshet. It's not brought down here, but I'll just say it by Alpeh. Marcheshet says that there, there really are two mitzvot uh, that one fulfills with kriya to Megillah. One is... Zechelenais, HaKadosh Baruch Hu kind of saved us. Okay. What's the second one? Mechiyat Amalek. It's wiping out Amalek. Right? So now, wiping out Amalek is a, a, a din in uh, going to war and wiping them out. So says Marcheshet, it could be as follows. That Mitzad... the Pirsuma Nisa and Hoda'al HaKadosh Baruch Hu, women are obligated. The din of Mechiyat Amalek, women are patur. And because of that, there's a distinction between men and women. Now, this is based on another machloket, which we just had last Shabbat. Are women obligated to hear Parshat Zachor? And are they obligated to hear the Parsha of Kriyat Amalek? of Mechiyat HaMalek. So that is a machloket, right? the, the chinuch and the minchat chinuch, a big machlokes. Are women obligated? On the one hand, it's not a mitzvah tasa grammar, so they should be obligated. On the other hand, it is connected to going out to war. 
and going out to war, it could be that the women weren't obligated to do that, and therefore they would be pater. So based on this, Marcheshet wants to also tie in the din of the um, the the shit of the Bahag and the shit of the Ramah. It's all got to do with this general din. What we have seen, though, is that it's quite clear that women could read and fulfill the mitzvah on behalf of other women, right? The machloket is whether they can fulfill the obligation for other men, but lichora they can fulfill it for other women, and that is the overarching um, opinion in halacha. There is a shita of based on the zohar that women shouldn't uh, shouldn't read it for other women, but that's not necessarily the standard approach of the of the the almost all of the rishonim. So based on that, says the pnina halacha as follows. Um, we don't want to get into machloikas between Rashi and the Bahag, and therefore a woman should not read on behalf of men. If you cannot, uh, you can't hear it any other way, uh, and, and at least he'll fulfill the obligation according to those opinions. And then he says, okay, so he doesn't mention it over here, but he says that there is, one can read, woman can read on behalf of other women, and we don't necessarily worry about that shita brought down in the Zohar. Okay. Um, however, um, Okay, let's uh, let's skip now. We just uh, oh, we actually finished. Okay, fine. So we we've come to the end of the shear. So we basically dealt with uh, the the major mitzvot. We didn't get to mishloach manot, the famous machloket between the trumat adeshen and the manot levi, whether you can fulfill your obligation with other other things other than food. We are generally machmir. They want you to definitely give food so that a person should be able to eat it on the day. Um, so one shouldn't just give Mishloch Manot with uh, books and uh, sheets and other things like that. One should actually give food. Um, that is a major machloket. And one should give at least two separate foods to one person. As opposed to Matanot Levionim, that's to two separate people. The Ikar Din of Mishloch Manot is two foods to one person. Okay. Yashakoch to everybody. Purim Sameach. Bezrat Hashem. Rak Basarot Ovot. Call to